Before I begin, I want, to make, I want to make a note about pronouns. Throughout my sermon, I will be referring to God using they and them pronouns. And this may feel a little unusual, so I'll say a couple of things about why I'm doing that. First, I am myself still getting used to using they, them pronouns in the singular. And this is a way to practice. Uh, second, God himself uses plural pronouns, uh, we and our, in Genesis 1, saying, let us make humankind in our image. Uh, so this, these are words that I am taking right from the mouth of God. And third, uh, Christian tradition has, of course, long had an understanding of God as both a multiplicity and as one, as we experience the Trinity as both the three and also the one God. And so I feel like they and them appropriately covers those bases. And now to the text. God first gets Moses' attention with the bush. This curious bush that is burning up, or burning, but not burning up. As soon as Moses is distracted from the sheep herding, although honestly it probably wouldn't have taken such spectacular pyrotechnics to distract Moses from sheep herding. I can't imagine that sheep herding is that engaging. In any case, as soon as Moses is distracted from that sheep herding and looks toward God, God immediately begins to introduce himself. I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Sarah and Abraham, the God of Rebekah and Isaac, the God of Leah and Rachel and Jacob. I have seen the affliction of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries under those who oppress them. I have felt their sufferings, and now I have come down to rescue them from the hand of Egypt, out of their place of suffering. And God goes on some more to describe this deliverance. Now, I think that if it had been me instead of Moses, I would have been a little bit more confused than Moses seems to be, He seems to at least be tracking what God is saying out of the bush, even though he's hiding his face from the holy awesomeness of the scene. Also, I would not have been able to have that much control. I for sure would at least have peaked. Uh, Probably I would have stared. What Moses' response amounts to is, uh, I think you have the wrong number. Or maybe the person you are calling is unavailable. Actually, he says, who am I? Implying, I'm not qualified. I don't have the skills for this. I don't have the status for this. (laughs) I am the wrong person. And I get that. I also get what comes next, because in spite of God's long speech about who they are, just monitoring the situation over here. In spite of God's long speech about who they are, Uh, Moses is supposed to take that back to the people of Israel, take this whole speech. It's a lot. Moses is saying, maybe an elevator pitch. He asks, when I go back to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of my ancestors has sent you, if they ask me, what is this God's name? What am I to tell them? And God's answer to Moses actually echoes Moses' original response. 
When Moses has, origi- has said, who am I? And God says, I am who I am. I am as I am. That is what you tell the Israelites. I am has sent you. Now, at this point, had it been me, <clears throat> I would have thought, is God messing with me right now? Only I probably in my mind would not have said messing. Would have used a different word. Am I being messed with right now? Because what I am that I am, that doesn't make any sense. It's like if I had a name tag and it just said, hello, my name is my name. It's nothing. I am. Uh, A number of years ago, uh, the band Vampire Weekend released a song called, hey, I know some of you were at the concert, right? They were just here, which I didn't realize. But a number of years ago, they released a song called Yahweh. Sounds like Yahweh, not a coincidence. And in part of the chorus goes, through the fire and through the flame, you don't even say my name. You say I am what I am. But who could ever live that way? Those lyrics express an understandable frustration with a God who refuses to identify themselves. And in fact, we know God has many names, a plethora of names. We even have a song about it in our hymnal, God of Many Names, which acknowledges not only God's many names, but God's many identities, God's many ways of interacting with us. Shalom Auslander tells a story on This American Life. This was also a lot of years ago, but I've heard it a couple times. It's so good they've played it multiple times in the episode, The Ten Commandments. Um, And in this story, Shalom talks about a time when his teacher in yeshiva, a strict rabbi in third grade, refused to speak or write any of the 72 names for God. And this teacher punished anyone else who spoke or wrote any of those 72 names, including Shalom. So the storyteller, Shalom, uh, was not even allowed to write his own name not on his uh, test papers, not on his lunch bags, not even on his underwear, all of which got confiscated and buried. Peace, shalom, is one of God's identities. And so when we search scripture, we see many, many more creator, rock, good shepherd, even breasted one, And maybe that is God's whole point. God has already identified to Moses who they are in the speech from the burning bush. Ancestral one, listener, the feeling one, deliverer and savior. And the descriptors might not be enough for Moses. Or maybe they're too much for him. Maybe it's too overwhelming and Moses just needs God to narrow it down. Label yourself, God. Fill in that name tag for me. The Bible is full of names that describe the people who bear them or the situation into which they were born. Moses himself being named the one who draws out because he was drawn out of the reeds and later, of course, becomes the one who draws his people out of slavery. From the first mud person, Adam, made out of earth, Adam. Isaac called laughter because of his parents' disbelief and joy. 
Naomi, whose story we'll hear in a few weeks, asks to be called Mara, or bitterness, instead of joy. And Jesus from Joshua, the one who saves. I suspect many of you bear names that you were given because they have a special meaning to your parents. Or many of you have named children or pets because, let's face it, it's a great reason to get a pet so you can name the pet. Because of the meanings of those names. In the Bible and in life, names are bestowed or changed in times of transition. We heard about Jacob's transition of name and identity to Israel last week after he wrestled God and prevailed. Sarah and Abraham at the time of covenant received their new names. Saul to Paul at his epiphany. Many of us, not me, but many of us, change our names when we get married. Trans people take on names that acknowledge their true identity. Some traditions uh, bestow baptismal names. Names are markers of meaning. And God will not be identified by one name and one meaning. Just as we can use they to name a God who is multitudes, God says only I am. Tell the children of Israel, Yahweh, the I am, the God of your ancestors, the God of Sarah and Abraham, Rebekah and Isaac, of Leah and Rachel and Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is the name you are to remember for all generations. Indeed, this is the name that God is known by. The oral traditions recorded it into scripture. It is the most consistently used name for God. Yahweh, usually translated in small caps, Lord, which doesn't really capture it. We have a God who is big enough to encompass all and intimate enough to be made known of the things of this earth, including the human one named Jesus, including the bread and the cup of the feast we will share. And in responding and in preparing for our sermon, we will sing. It's not in your order of worship, but we are going to sing God of Many Names. It's number 77 in your hymnal. And I invite you to stand in body or in spirit to sing together.